Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast... It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review, and hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, a fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future. And, of course, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. And this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 163, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We have a lot to discuss. It is trade deadline day as we record this. The trade deadline has come and gone. We will get into that. We will have ESPN Cowboys insider Todd Archer joining us. We've got to take a trip around the block with some stuff that will just blow your mind today. We've got Mavs. We don't have KP because neither do the Mavs, so who cares about that? (laughs) And we've got a few clips of Cowboys secret audio of a Cowboys homer. But we will start you off, and thanks as always for supporting our sponsors as they support us. Keep these numbers handy. First off, it is Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Did you wake up this morning and the epiphany finally hit you? Like, my God, I need to figure out what a 401k is. Or what is a stock? What is a bond? How do I use these tools to my advantage? I I don't know. I would not ever ask me. I would ask Hector Flores, 940-940. 453-3490 and allow him to get with you. And the best part of it is they're non-fee based. It doesn't cost anything to meet with Hector. Nothing, man. And see, to me, that's the that's one of the best benefits. The other best benefit, man, is is what Hector can do is take you on a plan. And how about this, Matt? It's whatever plan you want. If you want a conservative plan because you're in your 50s and you don't want to lose any money, but you'd like to make a couple bucks, okay, fine. He can put you on that plan. If you're a youngster and you're like, all gas, no brakes, let's make some cash, he can put you on that plan. The issue is letting him know what you want to do, what your goals are, and he can create a roadmap for you to follow. And then it's just a matter of executing the plan that you guys have put together by yourselves that's exactly right so you got to get with them you got to sit down with them let them go through things with you it's hector flores 940-453-3490 they have such a unique deal here it's a it's a combination of business and giving back to the people they serve it's a continuous cycle of positive impact give him a call get with him let him help secure your future and your family's future hector flores 940 453 
3490. As always, of course, greening law. Everybody knows my story by now. I was hurt in a car accident, man, coming up on four months ago. I still experience pain and stuff that happened in my back from that wreck that I really haven't had to worry about the legal parts of that and the insurance parts of that because Robert Greening and his green team are taking care of that for me. Why? So that I can go to my chiropractors and my doctors and they can help me get back to the way I was. What is that called? Focusing on my healing and renewal. I mean, that's that's what it's about. They they handle all that crap behind the scenes so that you can get your mind right, get back into feeling the way that you're supposed to. Yeah, and all it takes is a phone call. Literally, just pick up the phone and let them know your situation. And that call, as Matt will tell you, it don't cost a thing. It's free. All you do is pick up the phone, you call them, you say, hey, here's my situation. It doesn't matter whether it's a car accident, at a business office, a friend's house, you know, wherever you had this accident that wasn't your house, it doesn't matter. You tell them, here's my situation, what do you think? And they'll either say, yeah, we can help you, or no, I don't think we can. But the call costs nothing. And if they do take you on as a client, and Matt will tell you this, they don't get paid unless you get paid. And so for me, the great thing is you never have to worry if just because you haven't heard from them, whether they're working on your case or not. That's exactly right. You nailed it. It's Robert Greening, his staff. Robert Greening, give him a call, 972-934-8900. As Jacques told you, the consultation is free. The way it works, you call that number, and they're going to ask you some questions about your case like they did me, and they will take down your answers, and they'll decide whether or not you they think you've got something. And if you do, they'll take you on. That's what they did with me. It's free to find out. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, Office, Dallas, Texas. Trade deadline day in the NFL. Not nearly as exciting as it is in Major League Baseball. Really, baseball is the one sport where just it's a trading bonanza. You don't see it as much in the NFL, and I don't think anybody should be surprised the Cowboys didn't make any moves. I, I actually they weren't going to make any. Yeah, and I had a couple of guys at the station today like, you think the Cowboys are going to trade somebody? He's like, no. They're like, well, why not? I mean, like Gallup, they could trade Gallup. I was like, for what? And they're like, well, I mean, you know, you could probably get a pretty good draft pick for him. I was like, well, okay. I said, see, that's interesting to me. Why would you trade Michael Gallup, a piece you can use this year on a team you think can win this year for a piece that may or may not turn out in the future when this team may or may not be in position to win? Dude, people just become crazy about draft picks. I man. guess, I had, man. I went, to, uh, I went to lunch with somebody today and uh, they were talking about that too. What's the plan for Gallup when he gets back? You just can't bench Cedric Wilson. I said, dude, how come you just can't have four good players? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, how come? I said, what if somebody gets hurt? Like, I mean, you can never have enough good players. So, you know, it'll work. These things almost always work themselves out. They do. And, and I didn't think that this was a big deal at all whatsoever. The Cowboys, and you and I kind of talked about this, they don't have to trade anybody to get reinforcements. They're about to get Demarcus Lawrence back. They're about to get Michael Gallup back, and they're about to be, get Neville Gallimore back. Those are going to act like energetic-type trade moves. In some cases, I mean, hell, Tank barely played. Michael Gallup hadn't played since week one. Oh, no, those cats will be excited uh, to get back in the field. They will be thrilled to play, and they can all play, man. They were all guys who were going to be starters when the season began. They're all guys who had, who are expected to be significant contributors when the season began. Who wouldn't like to get those guys back healthy, motivated, ready to play? 
and uh, help for the home stretch. We haven't even talked about a guy like Tristan Hill, yep. who's been a disappointment since they drafted him. Well, guess what, dog? Ain't no pressure on you. All you got to do is come and be part of a rotation and just make some plays when they're there for you to be made. Yeah, you're already a bust. You're not going to see a second contract here, but if we can use you and rotate in, cool. Kick ass. And, and maybe one day we'll figure out exactly why you had to sign that need agreement with Rod Marino. <laughs> I guess. I, I I don't know. But, you know, the one move the Cowboys did make today is they have released Bradley and I. Now, apparently, if he clears waivers, it sounds like they would like to put him on the practice squad. But they had to clear some space again because they're about to get guys coming back. They moved Jabril Cox to injured reserve. He'll be out for the year because he tore his ACL. And with Bradley and I being waived, it, we'll see, and maybe Todd can shed some light on this when we talk to him here on this version of the podcast, but this probably isn't the end unless somebody else claims him, which is obviously possible, but you know, there's a lot of hype around Bradley and I coming out of Utah, fifth round pick. He was one of those blinking light guys. The Cowboys couldn't believe he was available for him, and just for whatever reason, either he didn't work or they just never figured out how to use him. I'm going to give you the other thing, bro. There's too much talent in front of him. Like, this can happen on True. a good team. Like, like, on a bad team, you could go play <clears throat> because, you 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 know, you can help. On this team, like, the Cowboys only sacked Kirk Cousins once the other day, bro. But they had eight pressures from, like, six different guys. They got a lot of guys getting after the quarterback, man. And so I think a knee last year I could say – Hey, man, it's Mike Nolan. Nobody knows what they were doing on defense. But this year, I think talent just kept him off. I think there's a bunch of guys ahead of him who just happen to be better. And so it'll be interesting to see if he gets on with somebody else and if he gets a chance to play. Yeah, and, I mean, this team at 6-1 and one atop the NFC East, and we kind of talked about this after the game the other day. They are one of the top four teams in the NFC. You can figure out however you guys want to slot them as cool with me as, to, as far as to where you would put this team. But they're rolling, and, and winning that game the other night I thought showed a lot, and they've got some pieces. You talk about guys being in front of other guys. There's a reason why, for instance, they were like, hey, Jalen Smith, you're out, and, and we'll talk about him in a moment. But one of those reasons is Micah Parsons, and you wrote a story in the morning news about Micah Parsons who balled out. I mean, I don't know how many people watch the Brian Baldinger stuff. I forget what he calls it, Baldy's Breakdowns. Right, right, right. But he had a couple of breakdowns of plays that Micah Parsons made on that game on Sunday night. And he does that thing where he puts it up on Twitter and goes like frame by frame. And the instinct and the ability to move laterally that Micah Parsons had. And let's be honest. Let's be honest. If Patrick Sertan had been there, they were taking a cornerback. Neither of the cornerbacks they wanted were there. And they traded down and kind of stumbled into, well, Micah Parsons. And that he is a baller. Now I will say that I think li literally you'd have been you'd have been in great shape with with either of the three guys there, whether it was J.C. Horn, Sertan, or Parsons. I think we'd all be raving about that guy if he's on the Cowboys. But I think the beauty of Parsons is that you lucked into that guy because he kind of fell to you. Um, he was at a position linebacker where you needed an infusion of talent. And with the way he's played, it gives you three guys at three different levels who can make plays and Gregory Parsons and, and uh, Trayvon Diggs. But there's no doubt, man, the athleticism, the instincts, the speed, the strength, the power, it's all on display every week. But the reason I wrote about him, man, is and it's um, 
had a great game with 11 tackles, four tackles for loss. But, dude, the week before, I remember when I read this, that uh, he had told reporters that uh, he usually gets to work about 7.05 uh, or 7.10. Their first meeting's at 7.30. So he's there plenty of time for his first meeting. But during the bye week, he started coming in at 6 o'clock. And one day, Dan Quinn turned around like, dude, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm just getting my work in. And so what that extra preparation did was allowed him to look at a little more tape before the day really started, spend some time really focusing on what he wanted to accomplish during the day and uh, during meetings and practices and all that stuff. And just me, me very casual about the start of the day because you're there so early, nothing's rushed, you're, you're just in a good place. And then he went out and had this performance, man, and I was just like the self-awareness that a youngster has to have to say, I've been playing okay, but I'm not really playing to my standard. So what do I need to do to get to be at a standard that I think is acceptable for me? You know what? Let me come in an hour early and see if that's see if shaking it up like that happens. Man, when you get a cat with talent and he's got the work ethic and he's got the self-awareness, it's almost impossible not to become a star. And I think that's the path that he's on. He's a beast, man. I mean, some of the plays he made in that Minnesota game and, and that we've seen him make, he is on just an elite, elite, elite level of trajectory. And I don't know, you kind of wonder because you go back to Sean Lee, who, as we all know, like the two times in his career that he actually managed to stay healthy, ended up being an all pro. And I've said before, he's one of the great what ifs of my oh. fandom of, man, what if that dude could have been healthy? Yeah. What if? And um, then... You know, Jalen Smith is kind of up there as well. And we'll kind of transition talking to him a little bit as well. But Jalen Smith was one of those guys coming out of Notre Dame. And, and obviously, if he hadn't gotten hurt, he never would have been a Dallas Cowboy. But he was one of those, like, what ifs? Because he was so good in college that everybody projected him as, like, a top five pick. Like, I mean, a plug-and-play Luke Keekley, Brian Urlacher. I'm talking 10, 15-year linebacker in the league. Exactly. And he got hurt, and, and it just never worked out. And we never really saw that with the Cowboys of what he could have been. And now you've got a chance. Here's your next linebacker, Micah Parsons. And, again, it's early, but it feels like we're, we're maybe going to get a window into how good somebody could have been. Well, you know, Doug, the, the other part of it is, and I wrote about this too, you know, we're talking about a guy who you think, I mean, let's just keep it real, a guy you think can be a special player. And that's different than a good player or even a really good player. We're talking to somebody who feels like he can be a special player. And, you know, part of it is, man, it's the leadership aspect. Like, when he showed up, Demarcus Lawrence was basically hurt rehabbing his back from off-season surgery, and then he broke his foot. So he was never really around to fully take the mantle of being a defensive leader because he's been hurt and rehabbing and stuff. And so it's kind of available, and I think Micah Parsons kind of, kind of stepped in there a lot but here's what I like, man. You know, he plays chess with Amari Cooper and allowed Amari Cooper to talk shit to him while he's doing it and put some videos on IG. Um, you can see him on Instagram or Twitter playing trash can basketball in the locker room with Dak. He'll play Connect Four with anybody who wants to play Connect Four. And what I'm saying is he understands that being a leader is about going to every place in the locker room and creating those bonds and relationships, however you got to do it. And Michael Irvin used to talk about this at the, uh, a lot. He used to, you know, because Michael Irvin used to go to players' house and eat dinner with grandma and mom and dad, sister and brother, all them folks. 
And one day, one teammate used to ask Michael, Mike, why do you go to all those dinners, man? You don't have to do all that. He said, oh, but yes, I do. Why? Because in the fourth quarter, when the game on the line and I need that guy to make a play, I could go to him and say, go make a play. I went to your mama's house. I ate her food. I pat your kid brother on the head. Go make a play. Help us win a game. And them cats would respond because Mike had given to them what he didn't have to give. And I think Michael Parsons is doing a lot of that same thing. He's building that bond with guys so that in the fourth quarter of games, if somebody, anybody got to go make a play, he can go to step to somebody on either side of the ball, man, and say, yo, can you make a play? Can you help us out? Can you do this? And whether they make it or not, the attempt is there, the effort is there, and I think that's what he's doing, and I think that's why he has a chance. I didn't call him a special player yet. He ain't even finished his first full season. That's why he has a chance, barring injury, to become a really special player because he got the personality and he got the talent and the work, work ethic. When you got all of that, man, dude, you just try to avoid injury so he can be great. Yeah, and hopefully he will because today, I'm sure everybody has seen the news by now, but Jalen Smith was released by the Green Bay. <clears throat> Excuse me, I almost died. Jalen Smith was released by the Green Bay Packers today. And he was obviously released by the Dallas Cowboys earlier this year and stuck with Green Bay. I mean, he was there, what, like two, three games? Yeah. Um, I knew he had a problem when he was a healthy scratch uh, yesterday. Like, okay. Now, we've told you from the jump, man, With um, we told you that when they released him. Like, do you all know how rare it is? I mean, extremely rare, like a pink diamond. For a 26-year-old backup linebacker not to play special teams. And he can't play special teams because he can't run. Or maybe he can run straight, but he sure as hell can't change directions. And so um, it's nobody's fault. It's just what it is. But if you can't play special teams as a backup linebacker in the National Football League, bro, it's going to be hard for you to survive. And he's not good enough anymore to start. No, he played and he played two games with Green Bay. He played 27 snaps. Total, not like each game. One game against Chicago, he played 17 snaps. And then the next week against Washington, he played 10 snaps, which was 14% of the snaps. And now he's done. And, and you got to wonder, as sad as it is, it's a cool story. Awesome. Good for you. He got paid. He got that contract that will set him up for life. But I think he's done. I, I don't know that he plays in the league again. No, I think uh, I think he'll have some tryouts maybe. And maybe he'll go to camp with somebody next year. Maybe. But I think it's going to be incredibly hard for him to make a team, man. He just can't do the things that you need a, an NFL linebacker to do. I mean, he's built like a Greek guy. He's got a great personality. Guys in the locker room love him. But ultimately, bruh, you got to be able to play. Ultimately, you got to be able to play. You got to bust heads, make tackles, be disruptive. You got to play. And he just can't play. All right, before we take a trip around the block, let's tell you about a brand new sponsor. And I'm excited about this, man, because... It's Brews Biltong. Biltong. B-I-L-T-O-N-G. And you're like, what the hell is Biltong? Well, it's like beef jerky. It is a traditional South African air-dried meat. And I'm going to tell you straight up, it is better. I have got some Biltong. I had some Biltong that I ordered. It was shipped to me. Come straight to your door off their website. And I opened it up and I got a variety of packages. You can get, they've got the, the snack size bags that are two ounces. They've got larger bags you can get to share. And I will tell you, 
I thought, okay, well, let me try it. Let me see how it is. It's zero sugar. It's no artificial ingredients. I opened it up, and it's so damn good. It, it's, it's more savory than beef jerky. It's much more tender than beef jerky. I ate the entire bag. <laughs> I'm serious. All at once. Like, I couldn't stop eating. I was like, my God, this is so good. It's Brew's Biltong. And what's really cool about this, so Brew, B-R-U, it means bro in South African. So this is a legit, this is the real story of this guy. He is a South African rocket scientist who just made this at home. Like he's originally from South Africa, but he also is a rocket scientist. And so he started making this at home because that's a traditional thing in in South Africa. And then some friends would come over and they'd have it like, oh my God, this is really good. And so he started making more. And then it got to a point where he decided to kind of do this dream gig of creating his own company and seeing if he could make this thing work. And one thing I'm really cool about that, because you and I, I mean, again, anybody who's branching out and trying to do their own thing and support their own dream, we're big fans of that. Hell yeah. The stuff is delicious, and we are the first and the only podcast he sponsors. How about that? It's awesome. Yeah. Tell you this, man. This is If you like beef jerky, you're going to love Biltong. The two-ounce bag, the snack bag, it's 240 calories and 30 grams of protein in one serving. Boom, that's in my wheelhouse, dog. Dude, it is. And I'm telling you, I could, I just couldn't put it down. I, I had it after my workout yesterday, and I was like, I'll just eat a little bit of it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> Go to bruisebiltong.com. It's B-R-U-S, biltong.com, okay? B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, bruisebiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout, 15% off your order. Don't get no better than that, though. No, for Jam Session listeners only. BruiseBiltong.com. Promo code JAM15 at checkout. 15% off your order. And you will have Bruise Biltong delivered to your home, and you will be enjoying, I mean, just insane, <laughs> insane South African air-dried meat. It's just, it's delicious. It is. I don't, I don't even, you got to try it. Because I got a bunch of it. <laughs> and then I went on their website. It's like, can I get more? So check that out. Also, we want to say thank you, of course, to HFX Foundation Repair. We've been telling you about these guys for a while. And, and you know, reality of it is with foundation, it's one of those wonky things that you can never quite be sure of. And, and let's be honest, maybe you did have an estimate in the past, and now you want that second opinion. Call HFX. You're not going to get the sales dude. It's not some salesy guy who's coming out that works on commission who's sitting there going, no, 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 trust me. That one crack, I think I can, trust me. (laughs) This is Aaron. Aaron is local. It is family owned. He's the dude coming out. So you are working personally with him. They now offer quick and easy third-party financing. So call them up. Get that free, no obligation inspection. If you don't have any issues, You're good to go. If you do see something, they will create an affordable, comprehensive repair plan for you. So I think give them a call. 817-770-0174. That's 817-770-0174. This is the type of thing you want to catch it early. Dude, it's the reason why we call it a colonoscopy for your house, man, and we have for months. And that's because you get it and you have a peace of mind if they tell you, hey, everything's all good it's just a peace of mind they don't have to worry about it for and if they do happen to find something most of the time 
you're going to save a bunch of money because they found it early and it's a fraction of the cost as opposed to if you found something late. So there's no need to hesitate. Give them a call and let HFX do their thing. That's right, man. It's local. It's family-owned. They're going to get you taken care of. 817-770-0174, or you can check them out online. You can schedule an appointment online for that free inspection, hfxfoundation.com. Also, I wanted to say, make sure you're following us on our Instagram, because I took a picture of some of the biltong that I ate the other day from bruisebiltong.com. So find us on our Instagram, and I'll, I'll put up a picture of that so that you guys can see exactly what I'm talking about. But, man, it's good. It's bruisebiltong.com as well. So our Instagram, by the way, Jam Session Cast, Jam Session C-A-S-T on Instagram. We got to talk. We're taking a yes. trip around the block. I'm just going to okay. straight up say this. Some of y'all assholes are crazy. <laughs> and I think you guys know where this is about to go. But apparently in Dallas, Texas on November 2nd, 2021, a large group of people gathered in Dealey Plaza, which, I mean, you and I both, I, I used to live about a mile from Dealey Plaza on the west side of the Trinity. And I mean, I drove through Dealey Plaza a couple times a day. <laughs> And everybody knows Dealey Plaza is, if you're not from the Dallas area and you're listening, Dealey Plaza is where JFK was assassinated. All right? Right. Correct. And today, the QAnon dumbasses of the world. <laughs> and if you are a QAnon person and you want to argue with me, you're a dumbass. I don't know what that, like you, be, the QAnon people gathered in downtown Dallas in Dealey Plaza today because they believed that JFK Jr., who died in a plane crash in 1999, was going to reveal that he was not dead, that he had been in hiding for the last 22 years, and that he had found like some sort of a loophole and that they would be announcing that Donald Trump was being reinstated as president and that JFK Jr. would be vice president and that after this happened, Donald Trump was going to step down so that JFK Jr. could be president. Kid you not. And... I'm not lying to you and like you can go watch the videos they are all over Twitter of people in Dealey Plaza walking around waiting seriously wasting their day waiting for JFK Jr. to arrive. What is wrong with people man they doing mushrooms hallucinogens edibles I mean what's the deal. Here? I, I mean my I, I thought how boring and sad is your life that you believe this bullshit. Like I would rather, I would rather than be like, yeah, let's go live now to channel five. Here we are in Dealey Plaza and behind me, as you can see, is a horde of people awaiting what they believe is a magical <laughs> leprechaun who will appear riding a unicorn. I would believe that that there's a better chance of that happening than I would that JFK Jr. is going to magically come to Dealey Plaza and be like, oh, hey, not only am I alive. I'm going to be president. Well, I mean, if JFK Jr. can 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 do the whole Lazarus thing and come back alive, why not just JFK himself? That's what I wondered. I mean, why not have the original? I mean, my God. Not the cheap imitation. I mean, what are we doing? Where have we where have we reached ourselves in society? I don't know what to tell you, man. It's uh it's just at one level it's funny. 
at one level, man, it's incredibly sad that these people like really believe. So when he didn't show up, what what did they say? Oh, we got the wrong date. Yeah, he, he had a previous. That's occasion. what I wonder. And 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 this is the deal. There's a bunch of people that were gathered wearing Trump JFK Jr. 2024 T-shirt. I mean, what are you doing? What are we doing? You couldn't possibly believe that for real. That's what I'm saying. Like, this has to be a bit, right? Like, there's no way. It's got to be a bit. There's no way that they actually believe this, that they they are amused that people believe that they believe this. Like, they're laughing their ass off at home right now, you know, taking another shot with their buddies and then slamming down their 40 of, of Boom Farms wine. Going like, <laughs> that dumbass thinks we really believe it. <laughs> Shockingly, okay. And I, I, I hate to I hate to tell this, but JFK Jr. did not appear today. Oh, man, you lying. Yeah. Did he really show up? He did not show up. JFK Jr. Damn. did not show up. Damn. And so apparently now, rather than admit it, many of the QAnon faithful quickly pivoted to a new prediction claiming that the Kennedys will unveil themselves at the Rolling Stones concert tonight at the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> Which, you know what? I got I to gotta be honest with you. If their theory is that Keith Richards is actually dead and that just Bro. wearing a mask is JFK Jr., I would believe that before I believe that he's going to become president and all this crap. I feel you on that one. I'm down with that one, bro. It's just insane, man. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's, it's so hard to process that these people have lost reality and that are so detached from what reality is that this is it. I think that's a good way to say it. They really are detached. I mean, they're just clueless, bro. So apparently he was supposed to appear at 1230 this afternoon as 1230 PM approached. And there's, you can go look at the videos. I mean, there's a couple hundred people there for sure. And it says the hundreds of people gathered around the Kennedy assassination site began to chant God bless America and JFK. But the chanting began to die down after the Kennedys failed to appear. An hour later, the crowd had dwindled to roughly a few dozen people simply standing in the rain. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine like like y- no. you have a job and hey, I I need off tomorrow. Wow, that, what's wrong? Are you, what, oh, I uh I just I have to have off tomorrow. For what? Like I need a reason. I can't just give you off. Okay. <laughs> Are you sick? No, no, I'm not sick. Um so JFK Jr. is going to return to Dealey Plaza, and I've got to be there for this. And then your boss is like, you're fired. Yeah, bye. I'll holler at you later. Be Jesus. Sorry. But that's, I mean, welcome to QAnon, man. What a world that we live in where this is a thing now. And it's never anything cool, like I said. It's never a leprechaun riding a unicorn. You know, it's never the heavens are going to split open and here comes first contact, which I would actually totally believe that. Right? It's the most asinine, dumb shit stuff that anybody could ever possibly believe in. That would be like me believing the pen I'm currently holding in my hand. I'm going to throw it up into the air, and it's going to burst into $100 million, and I will be able to wear that around as a robe, and all of a sudden, everybody will be mesmerized by me while I walk down the street, and I will be president. <laughs> nah, bro, not happening. Not These happening. people are just... How do we live in a world where this is a thing? Just lost, brother. I mean, why? How is this a thing? 
I don't have an answer for you. It's like cults, you know? I mean, essentially, I guess that's what it is. Like, you you see these cults, like the Jamestown thing, and you wondered, like, how in the world did they not pick up that, like, why would you want your family to, to live this way and right. any of this? And it's just so ridiculous. I, I, I don't know what to say. I apologize. I, I've lost my mind on this one. Because I saw that today, and I just thought, okay, so there's that. It's not your fault, brother. <laughs> I know it's not, but it's... You just see that, and the funny thing was is that it happened in Dallas where we, we're all so familiar of Dallas and we're all so familiar with everything and how it plays out and how it happens and the fact that this is happening there and all these people are just walking around chanting JFK like the dude's really going to reappear. Dude, they thought he was. <sighs> but he's not. He's not. He's not going to. There's so many things, and I ignore most of it, but I, I couldn't ignore this one. I had to go down the rabbit hole in this one with all of you wacky assholes. It's okay, bro. It happens. So the other thing I wanted to get into, and this was, we had kind of mentioned this the other day about the metaverse and all that. And I was trying to find this because there's this guy on Twitter who went down. He's he's verified like checkmark guy. I'm trying to find him. All right, so I found this guy on Twitter, and his name is Sean Puri. He has almost 200,000 followers, and he's verified. And basically, he says, I go viral on Twitter sometimes. At night, I invest in stuff like Bitcoin and all this other weird random crap. Well, he put up this theory because remember the last podcast we were talking about the metaverse and all this? Right. And so he started this thread. And this thread is fantastic. He goes, Hot take, everyone is wrong about the metaverse. Here's my three-part theory. Part one, everyone is wrong. Most people think the metaverse is a virtual place, like in the movie Ready Player One, a virtual world. But what if it's not a place? What if it's a time, a moment in time? In artificial intelligence, there's an idea called the singularity, which is the moment in which AI becomes smarter than humans, the moment when artificial intelligence is greater than human intelligence. The metaverse is the moment in time where our digital life is worth more to us than our physical life. This is not an overnight change. This is not some weird Steve Jobs invention. This is a change that has already been happening for the last 20 years. Work, from factories to laptops, from boardrooms to Zooms. Friends, from neighbors to followers. Where do you find like-minded people? You go to Twitter, you Reddit, etc. Games. More kids now play Fortnite than basketball and football combined. Identity, filters are the new makeup. Stories are your personal billboard to broadcast who you are. What matters more, what you look like in real life or what you look like on Instagram? Everything is going digital. Your friends, your job, your identity. With crypto, your assets are now becoming online too. Fortnite skins are the new skinny jeans. Everyone hangs out online all the time. And then your flexes need to be digital. So this is nuts because he goes down this rabbit hole. He says, so if we forward this to another 10 or 20 years, we come across into the metaverse, the moment in time where our digital matters more to us than our physical. Think, and he breaks this down perfectly. Think about this. Our our 99% of our attention used to be on our physical environment. TVs dropped that to about 85%. Computers to 70%. Phones were down to about 50%. Our attention has been sucked from physical to digital. If 50% of our attention is on our digital screen, then 50% of our energy will go into our digital life. 
Makes sense. Yeah. Today it takes effort to take our phone out of our pocket and look at it. Soon some company will make smart glasses that sit in front of our eyes all day. We'll go from 50% attention on screens to 90 plus percent. That will be the moment in time when the metaverse starts because in that moment, our virtual life will become more important than our real life. Do you really see that happen? I do. You know what, bro? I can see it because um, you know, I had a great talk with my dude last week, and uh, uh, we were talking about a bunch of stuff, and uh, he said he got off social media. And I'm like, why? He said, I was I was surprised at his word, at his verbiage. He's like, well, it's toxic and, uh, you know, that people just out there trying to get validation for who they are, and I just decided I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. And I was like, okay, that sounds all great because I'm always trying to figure out like what's the real deal. And I'm like, so when'd you decide that? He said one day I was trying to figure out what I could post that would get a bunch of likes, and I was like, what am I doing? And that's the day I got off. And I go, you know what? That makes sense. But I could see there's so many more people who get validated by social media that. I can really see how your digital imprint becomes more important to you than than your deal, than yeah. who you are. Because to me, check this out, man. What do you think? It's like, and I see this all the time, and it's not a negative. It's just what it is. Like athletes who become so attached to a number that the number becomes part of them. You know, like you when you talk to old cowboys now, half of the thing is, you know, blah, blah, blah with their number at the end. That's their email address. Because they associate themselves with that number, and that number is part of them. Yeah. It's not just a number, it's part of them. Um, you know, and so, uh, dude, I can absolutely see somebody's digital, seeing them feeling like their digital self is worth more than their actual physical self. Yeah, and it's wild because we actually, and I, I'd seen this movie before, but Ready Player One, which is, if you've never seen it, I, it's badass. And, and I've seen it. Man, it came out, I think, three years ago in 2018, and I saw it the year that it came out, but the lady friend had not seen it. And so with this metaverse, I was like, okay, let's watch that because it's it really is the metaverse. And in this movie, it's a Steven Spielberg movie, by the way. He directed it. In this movie, and it's the year 2045, and people go to what is called the Oasis, which is essentially the metaverse. And so you have to have, you know, everybody's got their digital headset that they wear, and some people can afford to wear a full body suit and whatnot. But basically, people spend as much time as humanly possible inside this world where they can create their own avatar and their whatever. They can do whatever they want. And what's interesting is, and they kind of do a great job. if, If you don't want to watch the whole movie, watch like the first 15 minutes, and it'll explain exactly where we're headed. Because they do a really good job of explaining inside the virtual reality world in which they have created here you want to go on vacation surf a 50-foot wave in hawaii you can do it from the back of your van if you have the right equipment because your body and your mind believes you're on this wave and so you're experiencing surfing the wave even though you're not actually really doing it bro this wild see and that that's where it gets interesting because isn't like that's the experience, but if that's what the mind is telling you that you are experiencing, then isn't that truly perception is reality? Dude, that's that's what I'm saying. That's why it's wild because it's true. Yeah. That's why I can see it happening because of all the things you just mentioned. You can get sucked in. I mean, people get sucked in right now um, and, and they can't get out or they can't stop uh, or they feel you know depressed if they can't look at it. It's It's wild, man. 
It is wild. And so it's going to be interesting, but I thought since we were talking about that the other day to see this guy tweet about it and kind of him talking about how it's a time and there's a lot of truth to that because it's a gradual change. I mean, I, I talk about this all the time, but you know, I didn't grow up with a phone in my hand. Nobody did. Obviously you didn't either. I didn't have a right. cell phone until I was in college. Well, right. now kids are getting cell phones before they turn 10 years old. And it's only going to become more and more like that where our life is so involved in screens that it's not going to be that weird for us to put on a headset and just be completely submersed into it. Nah, bro. I don't think that's wild at all. I think that's coming. That's the future. The future is now. I mean, we'll see what happens. Who knows? But kind of badass. This, this stuff just fascinates me. It's really interesting. Let's check in. We do it every week here. And of course, as always, he's brought to you by our friends at Blue Star Motor Group. You can check them out online at bluestarmotorgroup.com. Long time, he's been covering the Dallas Cowboys, ESPN, NFL Nation, Cowboys reporter, Todd Archer joining us. And Todd, the Cowboys, they don't make any trades. They did make a move today, but they don't make any trades. Was there any surprise at all that no trade moves were made at the deadline? No, not really. And, and I mean, you can point back to the, the Amari Cooper trade a couple of years ago and say, well, they've done it before, but you know, that, that was a desperate team in need of a desperate move. And they don't view this team as a desperate team in need of a desperate move. And I, I talked to Stephen Jones a couple of weeks ago uh, about, Hey, do you, you know, because of your salary cap situation going forward, would you view this year as an all in move and make some kind of big daunting move? going forward and he basically said no you're not going to sacrifice one year because you're not guaranteed anything to just forego draft picks in the future and what they can mean so it wasn't a surprise um now clearly the rams are going in a completely opposite track as every other team in the nfl we'll see who's right and you know it's a dangerous move because you're gonna for the rams they got no draft picks. Like, how are they going to feel that they can have nothing but undrafted free agents and, and, and stars? Like, I, that's a you better win when you go that route. Uh, and, and you can say they're all in. I'm not saying the Cowboys aren't all in, but I wasn't surprised that they didn't make any moves. I'm sure there were some discussions. I'm sure some teams called them. But when Jerry goes on the flagship and says, I don't think we're going to do anything today, that tells you they're not going to do anything. <laughs> uh, your thoughts from the big 20 to 16 win over Minnesota, what stood out most to you? I mean, Cooper Rush and the, and the second half, especially, but that last drive, I mean, we've seen him play in preseason games. Um, and he's had some good moments. We've seen him practice. He's had some good moments, but we've also been like, man, that ball takes a long time to get there with some of those throws. Um, <laughs> we, we've seen him, there's a balance between like laconic and slow. And I don't think he's slow. I think he processes it, but I just think that you don't see an urgency with how he approaches it. And I think that helps him. And, you know, in that last game, you know, he didn't let anything bother. It was impressive. And, you know, I'm sure you guys have talked about this and I mentioned it on Twitter. That was his Jason Garrett moment. This guy might have just bought himself six more years in the NFL based off that one more game. Yeah. Dude, I told so, somebody, I said, the best thing could happen is he'd never play again this season. Um, and let right. that be his lasting memory. And I, mean, I said, for sure, he could be the Cowboys backup for, you know, as long as McCarthy and Dak are here. 
<laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, Chase Daniels made how much money in his career as a backup? Oh, yeah. Clearly, yeah. Jason Garrett did fairly well for the time he was here and then went on to the Giants for a year or two as a backup quarterback. They're, they're so they're so hard to find because you want a guy that doesn't need a lot of snaps but and has shown that he can play. And Mike White, Cowboys draft pick, playing for the Jets, probably did the same thing for him uh, in, in New York's win against the Bengals. So, yeah, I mean, now that once, you, once you've shown it once, everybody's going to say, well, they did it that time, they can do it again. And you can last yep. an awful long time in the league. Oh, no, that, dude, that, I think that, that was I, – I, I'm sorry. But with Cooper, right, because the expectations were like, gosh, is this going to be like Ben DiNucci last year in Philadelphia? Yeah. And clearly <laughs> it, it, it wasn't that, right? But I think right. it, what he did kind of overshadows um, what the defense did. I, I mean – well, it all starts with Cooper because you can't win if he doesn't do his thing. So right, but uh, but even if they had, let's say they lost twenty to sixteen, would anybody have said the season's over? No, I think you know. Oh, they can't do it. They would have said, ah, clearly, you know, they need Dak. You know, if they had Dak there, they would have won the game. But geez, look at that defense. That was a pretty impressive showing from a unit that held Dalvin Cook in check. Didn't get crushed by Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. You know. I, I still think there would have been some positives that came out of even a close loss that you could put to and say, well, if they had that, they would have won the game, and they can build on this defense and what they've shown. I, I, I was impressed. You go back and look at it and think of it. The defense, that was I would say that was their best game of the year for a variety of reasons. And one was one of 13 on third down. They, they converted the first third, third down. The only third down the Vikings converted – was their first one on that deep pass to the tight end over Jaron Kerr? They were over twelve the rest of the day. Yeah, and that was a hell of a throw, hell of a catch. Yeah, I mean right. that whole thing that you're talking about, Todd. That's what's wild about this. I mean, they turn the ball over twice, and for once, they don't get any takeaways on defense that we've become so accustomed to. Yet, to your point, Dalvin Cook only gets seventy-eight yards. Justin Jefferson was invisible. I mean, invisible. He was two of twenty-one. And they did such a good job of taking him away. He was only targeted four times in the entire game. And I agree with you. I mean, Micah Parsons was flying around. Randy Gregory statistically, you know, maybe didn't have a huge game, but he had the sack. He had three quarterback hits. It really felt like the defense almost was like, okay, no Dak. Cooper, just do your thing. We got you. And and they stepped up their play to a level that I, I would agree. This is their best game we've seen defensively. Yeah, and I'm not meaning to detract anything that you just said. But Kirk Cousins shows he's Kirk Cousins, right? I mean, there were guys, like, I remember there was one time where it looked like it, it might have been Justin Jefferson. It could have been one of the other receivers. Like, it looked like he was streaking down the field on an over, and he was wide open, and he threw it to the other side of the field. It's like, what did he throw it there for? This guy was, you know. So I, I think there were some limitations there. And I think to now praise the defense, I think they went in with a plan of we're going to attack, we're going to blitz them. This is what other teams have done against Cousins and had some pretty good success. And then they didn't. You know, our, our ESPN stats and info folks said it was in the first quarter for sure. It was the first time that Cousins was pressed, uh, pressured less than like two times in the maybe first quarter, first half. So the Cowboys, they adjusted their plan after that first drive and said, let's just get home with four and see what we can do and play coverage behind us. And I used the, the, the word in a tweet, I think Cousins was flummoxed for most of the game. He didn't know what to do. They had no answer. And, and 
that's good on the coaches for realizing it pretty quickly that their initial plan might not be the best. They adjusted. There was one time they rushed two guys, J-Ron Kirsch <laughs> and maybe, I don't even know if it was Bohanna or Odigazua. Those are the only two. And one of them was a safety. Everybody else dropped. Like, it was, it was it was a crazy. Now, do they mean to do that? Because I don't think I've ever seen a two-person pass rush. Or did someone screw up along the way? I, I don't know, but it worked, and they get off the field. <laughs> um, so what do you make about this team's resolve? You can't be anything but impressed by it because they won without their, their leader. They won without their best player. They won without Dak. And that goes a long way in, in building up confidence. And it, it wasn't going to be a pretty win. And, and still, you know, Cooper threw for 325 yards. But, you know, Amari Cooper over 100 yards. CeeDee Lamb over 100 yards. Zeke's biggest play of the game is that third down catch that, that leads to the touchdown. He comes up with some big moments in tough yards when, when the Cowboys knew the Vikings were going to want to force Cooper Rush to beat them. And then the defense doing everything that they did. They didn't have Tyron Smith for the last two and a half quarters. Dak Prescott, what's the prognosis looking like moving forward with him? As It, it sounds like he's good to go now. Is there the belief that he'll be fine moving forward? Uh, yeah, he's supposed to. You know, Wednesday is not going to be a real Wednesday practice, uh, but he's going to be out there, and McCarthy said full go Thursday, and they'll monitor it. But clearly they're thinking it right now is he's playing this week against Denver. Um, and I think that was the plan all along. You know, when Dak came out and told us last week that I realized this is bigger than just one game, well, that kind of told you, that, like, they're already putting the bug in his ear, like, hey, man, just sit this week out. Once you get two weeks past this injury, whether there's like a statistical number that they can come up with about the history of calf injuries and where that injury is in the calf and how they're doing the treatment, they convince them that if you sit this game out, you're not going to need to worry about it. And I think there's a built-up trust of you had this shoulder deal in training camp. You shut it down for two weeks, and guess what? It wasn't an issue going again. Uh, you had this big nasty ankle injury. You listened to everything, did the rehab. That's not been an issue either. So I, I think the trust that Dak has with Britt Brown um, paid off on, on this one, and, and he wanted to play. We all know he wanted to play, but he listened to them, and they believe that they're past this. Now we'll see how he makes it through the week of practice, but, um, and if something flares up, then they can go back to Cooper Rush against the Denver team that won't have Vaughn Miller this week and, and maybe feel a lot better about their chances against the Broncos than they would have going into the Minnesota game of what the chances were of playing the Vikings. Well, the next two weeks look like wins if you can uh, if you can play good. Jock, it's uh, hard not... to win in the National Football League. Any win is a good win. Come on. Uh, you know, that's for coaches. I don't have to put up with that BS. I can tell you the truth. You're supposed to beat the Broncos and the Falcons at the crib uh, the next couple weeks and uh, and take this thing to 8-1. and one. Um, But this just, you know, the, the wins, the last two wins, man, New England – and uh, whoever they beat the other day, the Vikings. <laughs> that was an old man moment. Archer, old man moment. Archer knows about them. Um, that uh, they just <laughs> they just feel like a different club, a more mentally tough club. And me and Archer have seen it for years. You know, Sean Lee is hurt. Oh well, the defense sucks all year long, or they don't have this guy, Tyron Smith. They got to give up twenty-seven sacks and lose to Atlanta. I mean, we've seen them fall apart 
And uh, I will give Mike McCarthy credit for this. He seems to have established a culture where uh, there's no excuses and they figure out a way to uh, to at least compete and get it done regardless of whether you win it or not. Right. They, they've done this before. I just think we just have a recency bias, right? I mean, yeah. they, 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 they won in 2016 when their all-pro, Pro Bowl quarterback got a hurt in training camp in a preseason game, and they went 13-3. and three. Uh, They won in 2014. When Sean Lee got hurt in minicamp and didn't play that season, so they they've they've done this before, uh, but I, I think coming off last season when it was just so dreadful in many respects of not just losing Dak but losing Tyron Smith, losing Leon Collins, losing Zach Martin, uh, you know, just a disastrous defense that Mike McCarthy's introduction to the area couldn't have gone much worse, and, right. and now that you're seeing this resolve that he deserves to get the credit for, for what they've been able to do uh, in, in handling the adversity this year. But I think a good part of this team as and it stars, right. And the big name guys, they've, they know what this is about. They've gone through this stuff. They, they've, they've dealt with injuries and, and overcome some things in the past. We're just now thinking it's, Oh, it's gotta be their mental coach that they brought in. Well, guess what? Chad Bowling was there under Jason Garrett too. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I, I don't mean to minimize it, right? And, and and look, we we've had this conversation for years, the three of us. Winning begets chemistry. Chemistry does not lead to winning, in my view. Like, we're gonna hear all all oh, they get there, such a tight knit room. They're they're so close. They go and they do all these things together. Guess what? They did all that stuff last year. They went six and ten. I'm I'm Let me see. I'm going to disagree with that only in this sense. Like when, you know, I've had partners on the Cowboys who I didn't get along with great. And so, yeah, you were still had some modicum of success and you're still pretty good on the beat or whatever. But when you have partners that you like, like me and Arch got along great just from the start, just like me and Matt got along great from the start on radio show and the podcast like me and Arch would talk in the parking lot for an hour after work about story ideas and this and that and this and that. Or I don't know if there's text back then. We would call it text at home. Hey, what do you think? I just had thought da 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 da. Well, I didn't do that with guys I didn't like. So what I'm saying is, if you like the people, it can make you a better team. I mean, it ain't gonna make you no champion if you can't play, and make you no great beat tandem if neither one of y'all are uh, worth a shit as reporters. But if you're good reporters and you get along. Oh, you can be a cold ass team that can kick the Star Telegram's ass on a regular basis, like you and I do. Are you saying Clarence didn't have good chemistry with his partners over there? Is that I, what you're saying? I, Apparently I, not. I, I ain't putting no names on it. I'm just saying the record will show we beat their ass on a regular basis. Nah, that's all I'm saying. I mean, there is one of us who had two stories on the folder across the fold on the front page on the biggest day ever. So me and Ars can take that one to the bank. <laughs> Josh remembers Josh got his own baseball encyclopedia with it that he can pull out all those dates and stats on his own stories. It's amazing. Damn right. Look, all that, everything that you said was factually correct. (laughs) Factually. But I don't believe it, Taylor. (laughs) But, I mean, we're also pretty good at what we do. Like the 90s Cowboys. Look, I didn't cover those guys. You were around them more than, than I was. 
they got along, but there were some guys that didn't like certain guys, right? And that was oh, one of the – they were so uh, – and star players that didn't get along, maybe even star players on both side, on, on the same side of the ball that, that didn't right. like each other. They still won. So that's why I just think, you know, the, the, the chemistry stuff, is, it's kind of it's, – it's a nice, cute angle. I'm sorry, now the word is culture that – They've built their culture up. Oh, God, give me a break. No, they're playing better, and they have good players, and that's why they're winning. Like, it's more that stuff. It's not this gobbledygook stuff that everybody wants to hear and say, oh, yeah, it's this. No. Their star players are playing like stars. Their their young and -and up-and-coming players are perhaps overperforming what you thought, and they've been able to deal with adversity. Is that chemistry? No, that's just... Good coaching, good playing. Like that—that's what it is. In, in my look, I'm sure everybody will say I'm an idiot for for thinking this way, but that's my long-held belief. You don't need to have to be—you don't have to sit there and sing "Kumbaya" everybody in the locker room and get along famously, <laughs> and, and and everything will be great and dandy on Sundays. Just win games, and guess what? Hey, let's go to dinner. Oh shit, yeah, we're gonna go. We're six and one. Let's go and eat. I just swore on the on the thing for the first time. I know. I heard that. Welcome to like, the club, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, geez. Don't make that the pull-out quote. <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay. I, would, I actually had another Cowboys-centric question. Since you have been there all around everything happening today, <laughs> Jacques can't get over. Like, Jacques's like the kid who just got to college and realizes that he can drink and his parents don't know. I just said, fuck he. God. So, <laughs> calm down. God. Is that even real? Mute that line. I'm telling you, dude. He's lost it now. This happened on the radio a couple times. It was awesome. <laughs> He sounds like a ballet dancer. He's like, ah. that's why I didn't know if it was real. No, it's real. It's it's fantastic. He's got a couple of tears in his eyes. It's best, and I can't even see him. Jeez, you sound like a Disney character. Yeah. All right, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry okay, I'm sorry. let's get back because they moved Jabril Cox to to injured reserve. They released Bradley and I. So what's the anticipation with who they're, who's coming out? I'm, I'm assuming Gallup is one of them, but who's the other spot for? Is it Are they ready for Gallimore or, or Tank to come back at this point? Not this week uh, for either guy. Maybe a few more weeks um, for, for them. I think Bernard, um, Francis Bernard at linebacker is the guy. They look for him to take Cox's place on special teams. Um, you know, they, they can – They've got three open roster spots at the moment, so they could theoretically bring up the fullback again um, if they want to, or Justin Hamilton as a defensive tackle again if they want to put him on the 53, or or fully if they I don't know if they fully exhausted his call ups from the practice squad or COVID exemptions and things like that. So they have some flexibility there. I do think it was telling that with Bradley and I getting released, I asked special teams coach. Um, John Fossil uh, on Monday about that penalty and Fossil's reaction was like, yeah, it's just a bad penalty, just a bad penalty. Now Fossil's a guy who can talk and talk and talk. And I think his, his answer was like two sentences long. And I'm like, Oh, that did not bode well 
throw an eye and then come to find out today, you know, they, they, they let him go. Now maybe they bring him back to the practice squad and, uh, or something like that. But, you know, there's an accountability. If you, if you jump off sides on, on a punt when you're not supposed to, you know, here are the repercussions. It, look, it's easy to do it with a guy like Bradley and I, right? If yeah. Randy Gregory jumped off sides five times, they're not doing anything to him, right? So, um, but they have some roster flexibility, but I think from the injured part of it, Gallup closer to returning. Lawrence, well, let me think of the schedule. Maybe Kansas City, maybe Thanksgiving. Um, I, I don't know about Kansas City because then you play a game four days later, so maybe it would be Thanksgiving for him. And, I, and again, we've talked about this. With all these dudes, when you're going as well as they're going, you can kind of take your time with this and not need to rush guys back or even and, and not even rush it. You can take your extra time, right? I mean, you know, okay, Kelvin Joseph. Well, they needed him last week because Kennedy went down. But like with Gallup, hey, you know, maybe you can buy another week with him if, if you want to um, because Cedric Wilson's doing what he's doing. So um, just something to keep an eye on, but I think they have that flexibility for those three spots to – kind of do whatever they want except obviously now the trade deadline's over so no von miller coming to dallas hey man gregory had three pressures he had his fifth sack but who else has impressed you as a pass rusher because i think six different guys hit kirk cousins the other day yeah basham's done some good things here lately um i i didn't understand his, his penalty like when i first saw it i'm like they're really doing the body weight penalty for him and then i saw the mm-hmm. replay i'm like he didn't even land on him. Like, what was that? Bro. I didn't understand that one. Did you think that was penalty? Nah, nah, no. nah, nah. But it happened so uh, fast, I see why they called it, but it was whack. Right. Um, I just think they it's like the targeting rule in college where, like, the, the officials think, well, it looked like targeting. Let me throw my flag. And then they can right. review it, and then it won't be targeting. Well, in the NFL, it, it can look like something, but you can't review that so the penalty stands. Um, so... Uh, maybe they need to adjust the replay rules to a degree. Uh, that's another discussion. But, uh, you know, interior-wise, you're getting something from Odigazua. Uh, Justin Hamilton was a dude who, who made some plays uh, as well. We got a call-up from the practice squad. But to me, the, you know, Randy was – Randy's. I'm writing about Randy for this week, and the, story, the Randy Gregory story is finally about football. It's not about everything off the field or recovery or – and, and his, his treatment and things like that. It's now Randy Gregory, the football player, with the Cowboys thought they were getting 2015. But the guy that was as good a linebacker game as we've seen, let's say an off-the-ball linebacker game that we have seen probably since one of Sean Lee's 20-tackle games or even Van Der Esch's rookie year, I think, up in Philadelphia had a great game um, where he had 20-something tackles. Micah was everywhere, like 10 solo tackles, four tackles for loss, reading things so quickly. And you find, you know, he tells us earlier in the week that he's out there early at the star, getting treatment, working on his body, studying more film, getting used to it. And then you see that production. You don't think he's going to be there at 6 a.m. this week doing the same exact thing? So that's something that where the success just kind of builds off the – the process builds, leads to the success, and then you continue to follow that process. The success should continue to come. I like that. That makes sense to me. Now, if he had another day where he showed, would, it, would the opposite have been true if he showed up at 6 a.m. and 
had two tackles and had his worst game. We said, well, we're just going to go back to showing up at 7 o'clock. Why do I need to be, you know? So, well, maybe but maybe no. he showed up at 5 then. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can do like all the coaches. I got here at 3.30 in the morning. All that means is you don't know how to do a lot of work. You're just trying to say you got there at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, work smart and not hard. Time, I, remember, well, I remember one time going to Valley Ranch. Cause it was towards the end of the Parcells era, and I got over there literally at like 4 in the morning to intercept Parcells as he showed up for work. I was about two and a half hours early before he got there. <laughs> Three hours early. <laughs> I thought these guys got to work early. That's awesome. So. <laughs> I love it. All right, Todd Archer, man, as always, we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks I'm, for the laughing glad, fit, buddy. Yeah, I might have a new nickname for Jacques, but we'll call him Giggles. <laughs> Giggles. Make that I'm a wild and crazy guy these days. We should, apparently. <laughs> All right, Arch, we appreciate it, man. All right, thanks, See you. Guys. Hey. Pull out quotes, don't make no babies. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> How about this for a pull-out quote? Todd Archer is brought to you by Blue Star Motor Group. BlueStarMotorGroup.com. You guys, they specialize in superior quality, Carfax certified, pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models. Whether you are looking to buy or sell, either one, do yourself a favor and give Deb a text or a call. 817-881-4066. You're going to want to do this before you talk to anybody else. That way you have a baseline. And, and you, maybe you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I got to shop around you'll come back to Blue Star Motor Group because you're like, holy crap. Like, I'm getting the, the best deal I could possibly get with Blue Star Motor Group. Dude, you got to love Deb and Mike, man, because they try to make every situation a win-win situation. That's what I love about them. The other thing is that Deb, she's the deal maker extraordinaire. She ain't got no middleman or woman. So you make a deal with her, offer her a deal. She can accept it. You can negotiate with her and make it happen. But the main thing is, man, it's all about win-win. They want everybody to feel good when the contracts are signed. Man, they, go to BlueStarMotorGroup.com right now. They've got that 2016 Volkswagen Jetta. It's got under 40,000 miles on it. They've got it right now for 18699 Or perhaps you're like, you know what? That, that sounds like a good car for my kid who's turning 16 soon. I need something a little bit more fancy. Okay, how about a 2019 Land Rover Range Rover supercharged, black interior, gray exterior. It barely has 31,000 miles on it. They've got it for under 99,000. Damn. If you can roll like that, baby, roll like that. I would if I could. And for that level of car, that is a crazy good deal. I mean, they've got everything. They've got a 2012 Chevrolet Corvette for under 43,000 that barely has 15,000 miles on it. Bro, I've been I've been looking at that thing for a couple weeks now. Dude, that thing is fancy looking. That is a slick ass looking ride. So is that Audi that's on there, bro? Everything looks slick. That's why I'm on there all the time. <laughs> uh, just checking them out, looking for future purchases. Yeah, so make it happen. It's BlueStarMotorGroup.com. It's local. It's family owned. They are going to make you a deal. Make sure I'm telling you. Whether it's a car for yourself, maybe like I said, you got a kid turning 16. Maybe you think you're going to be in the market coming up. You need to have this number handy. You have got to talk to them before you talk to anybody else when it comes to cars. 817-881-4066 or go online to bluestarmotorgroup.com. Of course, once you get your car, as you know, and Jacques can tell you, once you've secured it from bluestarmotorgroup.com, 
At some point, you're going to need to get an oil change. You're going to need to get an alignment or a state inspection. You're going to roll on over to Freeway Tire Shop. And when you get there, you're going to be like, okay, all right. Let's see. Because we've told you about them for a long time. And then JR or somebody on his crew is going to come over and they're going to give you customer service that you're like, oh my God, they were right. This place is unbelievable. (laughs) That's the type and level of customer service that you will get with competitive pricing. What customer service that will blow you away with the mechanic you can trust at Freeway Tire Shop? No, nah, man, the the game has never changed, man. Jr. is working on one of my cars. It seems like every week uh, he's got one now because the truck, <laughs> the uh, the starter went out on the 2004 Expedition. Uh, it's got 250 thousand miles on it, so uh, you know these things happen to those types of cars. But hey, man, I go to him because one, I trust him to diagnose the issue. I trust him to use quality parts to fix it. I trust him to charge me a fair price, man. And then I trust him to stand behind his work. It don't get no better than that. And that's why I take my cars to JR. That's it, man. JR and his crew, it is competitive pricing on whatever it is that you need. Do you need new tires? Do you need some a new starter like Jacques does? Or I mean, who the hell knows all the other work that JR? <laughs> the thing of it is, he tells you up front what it's going to be. As you said, he stands behind his work. This is a mechanic you can trust. This is a guy you can go to and feel comfortable going. They're just north of downtown Dallas, right there. It's on the northbound side of 35, north of downtown Dallas. Freeway Tire Shop. You can go online. You can request a quote. You can schedule an appointment. Everything online for you right there, again, at freewaytireshop.com. So we continue here, and we got to talk a little Mavs, because the last time that you and I talked Mavs was after the season opener when they got their ass kicked. And the world was, it was done. Season's over. Mavs suck. Jason Kidd can't coach. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, I said, look, I, let, let's give it 10 games. I, I need a 10-game sample size before I can even consider anything. Well, they still have only played six games. They are currently in third place in the Western Conference. So if you want to freak out about the Mavs, they're 4-2. and two. They are one game behind Utah and Golden State, who are 5-1. and one, And they're ahead of L.A., who's 4-3. and three. I mean, my God, how about Denver? Uh, or excuse me, Phoenix. Phoenix must be freaking out. They're two and three. Cancel it. Cancel this. The Clippers are two and four. I'm done. If I'm if I'm Kawhi, I quit. <laughs> Just based on Mav fan reaction. And I tweeted this out the other night because after they had won a game, I said, okay, so the Mavs are looking a little bit better. Are, are we still freaking out? And a bunch of, yeah, yeah, I'm freaking out. This team, look who they've played. They haven't beaten anybody. And I, I it tried the... I cannot handle any more of the look who they've played shit. <laughs> that I hear it a lot in college football, and I just want to – it's – they play who's on the schedule. And, right. again, if you want to use the look who they've played argument, that only works to me if they lose those games because then you know they're not any good. But if they are beating teams they're supposed to beat, what else do you want them to do? Dude, it's the NBA, man. Relax. This is not an NFL approach to a season, man. Especially when you've got a new coach and a who's clearly putting in a new system. This is not like a coach who showed up and put in a similar system. This is a guy who put in a new system, wants to run a new style of basketball. You know, um, he wants to be a little more um, up-tempo. He wants uh, more two-point shots not or mid-range jumpers, not three-point shots. He wants them to play defense, like for real, like not just try, but like play some effing defense. Yeah. And so all of that, man, takes time. 
I mean, it just takes time. You can't rush it. You know, some everybody wants to rush everything, man. Some things can't be rushed. Yeah, and it's really look. I mean, offensively, they're kind of been a little like spurty and and off. Defensively, I mean, they're tenth in the league right now, and and defensive rating, they're they're tenth. Their defense has been much better than we've seen it in recent years. So yeah, you know, again, it's going to take some time for this team to gel and come together, like you're talking about. Now, if you want to freak out about one thing and you want to lose your mind, and then I'll allow it for this. Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah, bro. They need to figure out how to move on from this guy because Kristaps Porzingis, they've played six games. He's already missed half. They don't know when he's going to be back. And Kristaps Porzingis, once again, after he had a great offseason, he was healthy, he was coming in. Boom, you're three games into the season, and he has a lower back thing and has missed three straight. Now, see, I always feel conflicted about this, man, because it sounds like you're mad. and It just didn't work out. Because I always say, whether, and it doesn't matter to me whether it was Sean Lee or Porzingis or whomever, it's like, Ain't nobody trying to get hurt. And and his injuries are not like lack of effort injuries, like you didn't condition and train, so you got it. His is just bad freaking luck, man. And so it's not – I don't – I'm not so much – I'm not mad at all at Porzingis. I'm more like disappointed, frustrated that you can never see what you, what you hope to see. Now, by the flip side, bro, I don't know what you could get for him because it ain't, it ain't like everybody say, oh, let's trade for the unicorn. Uh, he'll be great. It's not like the other team trading for him don't know that he's hurt all the time and, and never plays. Yeah, the only thing that I can think of is at this point, quite honestly, I would just be like, I, what can you get? And Ben Simmons, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense because he is a ball-dominant guy that needs the ball to create, and so does Luka. And I don't know that you want both those guys on the same team. Right. But I don't know if there's somebody else out there that you could look around and be like, hey, you know, we we got to see if we can move this. And maybe there's some blockbuster trade with a bunch of different moving pieces that'll happen at some point later this year. But, you know, Chris, they play tonight. We're, we're recording this on Tuesday evening and they play tonight. He's going to miss tonight. That'll be four straight games. And the problem is, to some degree, I would even be willing to trade him for a perception, like a perceived lower player if that lower player is available to me. Like who? Well, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's what I'm trying to see. Like, I'd have to actually spend time and go through this. This is just off the top of my head of who might be realistically available. You know, that's not considered to be a unicorn like Chris Dapps. And maybe you have to do something like that. But at this point, it, it, it's hard for me to believe this team can do what they want to do because they don't know when he's going to be available, and they're obviously a different team when he's there versus when he's not. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but the season's still young. It's a strain back. You know you know how much of it's just precautionary. Although three games is three games at this point of the season. Uh, but I, well, I guess what I'm trying to f- figure out is whether, you know, it's just worth – like you're not going to get anything for him, so is it just worth holding on – and seeing if you could ever get what you thought you were going to get. Well, it seems like that. It's it's the reason why I don't trade in my, any of my six cars. Cause I'm like, you don't want to give me nothing for it. I'll just keep it. So when my other cars in the shop, I got something to drive around in. See, and that's kind of what it feels like they're doing. 
it feels like this is the season where you're either going, it's either going to work and he can show you at least enough health where, okay, this is a guy that we can use and move forward with. But if not, I mean, let's be honest, he's got two more seasons on his contract. I mean, he has to be here next year if they don't trade him. And then the year after that is a player option, which obviously for 36 million, he's picking up. And so I've always kind of thought like, okay, you're, you're in year three of the contract. There's two more years to go. Maybe there's some things to be had at the trade deadline or maybe after the season if this team just looks at it and says it's just, it just didn't work. And maybe there's another team out there that can, for the next couple of years, say, hey, maybe the light will come on. Maybe he'll actually be able to stay healthy. But if you're trying to win and win now and build this thing around Luka, you can't have a dude like this that can't get on the floor regularly. No, I mean, you can't. And here's the problem. You got to win while Luke is interested in playing for yeah. you. You don't ever want that worm to turn, man. And he go like, what the fuck am I doing here? Uh, I need to be somewhere where they know how to put a team around me. And thus far, it ain't in Dallas, brother. That's just a fact. They tried. They tried. But it didn't work. And so now you got to move on and figure it out quickly. Um, because, dude, every year that you don't have a real contender around Luka is a year you might just convince him, like, I need to go somewhere else. Yeah, it, and we'll we'll have to see, man. And I, I don't. Again, as the season goes by, teams find themselves in different situations at different levels, and maybe Porzingis is moved at the trade deadline later this year. But it just, it really sucks. It sucks that he's not available. I don't get it because on my NBA two K twenty two, he's healthy and he blocks like twenty four <laughs> shots a game. So I don't know. And he plays great. He does. I mean, he's averaging like 30 points a game and 15 rebounds and and like nine blocks a game. He's dominant. He's not Luka level dominant. I mean, let's let's pump the brakes on that. I mean, Luka, I just played like game 49 in my season and Luka just broke the all-time record for three-pointers made in a season. <laughs> wow, he's a talented dude. Yeah, he is. He's got a little something there. But it, it's, I mean, I understand the frustration and I get it. I understand, and people want to look at this and go, okay, well, they've played Atlanta and Denver, and they got their ass kicked by both of those teams, and their other their four wins are, again, I'm not worried about it right now. There's not a lot of really good teams in the NBA. There's a lot of teams that are trying to figure it out right now. And, you know, we talk about this with the Cowboys. If you're going to play some teams you should beat, beat the teams you should beat while you're working on figuring out they're not in the playoffs right now. They don't have Right now, they don't have to worry about if they're going to beat Utah and the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. They just got to beat the teams they're supposed to beat while they work on getting this thing where it needs to be later in the year. Plus, y'all know damn well the NBA season does not begin until February. That is <laughs> at correct. Christmas, at least Christmas Day we start paying attention. But the season yeah. don't really begin until February. Stop tripping, people. They don't tell y'all that no more. It's going to be okay. So calm the F down. Yeah, calm the fuck down. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm fired up today. Yeah, you are. Jeez. I'm going to have to make a note in our in, a, in the podcast notes, multiple uses of the F word. Yeah. But <laughs> let's move on. Now, we had some stuff going on on Sunday night, so I wasn't able to record for a chunk of the game for Secret Audio of a Cowboys Homer. So I, I basically was able to get some stuff later on in the game where I was finally able to sit down and just relax and let myself go a little bit. So what follows is some of the stuff that happened in the fourth quarter from secret audio of a Cowboys homer. Some of my reactions of the final moments in that game against Minnesota when they pulled it out. 
We'll start with this one. I, and I can't, I went back and I cannot remember what play this was, but apparently I was pissed off because I thought he was in bounds or somebody made a catch on the sideline or something. Can't remember exactly <laughs> what, but here's my reaction to whatever this was. He's in bounds. He's in bounds. That's not a penalty. Guys in bounds. Play football. My God. I mean, play football. You don't want to play football? Don't play football. He's in bounds. <laughs> I don't know what that I, was. I think that's Randy Gregory getting penalized for that's a right. uh, yep. personal foul, yep. late hit, or unnecessary roughness because it looked like he was still in bounds. That's exactly what it was. I remember now as soon as you said that because, yeah, I, I, I he hit him when he was in bounds, and I thought that was a ridiculous call, and I didn't like it. All right, so here this next call. This is, remember the catch that Amari Cooper had where it bounced off a Viking and he kind of tipped it up and then he caught it and ended up having a great yeah. gain. Here's that Amari Cooper catch in my reaction. Oh, nice. Nice. Holy shit, how did he catch that? <laughs> nice. Nice is like sandwich. My, yeah, I was eating something at that point. Yeah. Okay. Nice good. becomes like my go-to that I don't even realize I'm using, and it's just nice. Oh yeah. I, I personally, I, I enjoy the maniacal laugh more than anything. At the end, you know, when the Cowboys <laughs> make a good that. play, it's the maniacal laugh that really gets me. That was a fantastic catch, man. It was because I mean, it bounced off uh, Breland's chest, and uh, I can't remember when I, I see. I can't remember Cooper. Cooper made another catch like that recently in the last couple of years. But I just can't remember what it was, and it's been driving me nuts. So if any of you guys know, uh, hit me on Twitter at JJT underscore journalist. Uh, but it was fantastic catches, just the kind of big play that you need on a game-winning drive to get everybody, you know, excited and 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 that confidence where you know it's it, we're scoring. It's just a matter of how long it takes us. So I think it, we move on in this next one, and and I don't know. That, how come I didn't recognize what they were doing? But this is just my reaction. Just they show a guy in the stands. Just listen to how I <laughs> just listen to this. Why are they showing this guy? Who the hell is that? Oh, that must be. Oh, that's Cooper Rush's dad. <laughs> I was like, who cares about this guy? Who's number 10? Cooper Rush. No wonder he's wearing his jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I don't know. Uh, I love how you talked yourself through that. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> Pretty much, really yeah. Good. Yeah, because I was. I was like, I mean, who? why are they showing this guy? And he's wearing a number 10. Who's number 10? Like, oh, it's Cooper Rush. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we do that, and we move on, and this is a fumble that happened that excited me in some sense. No, that's not a fumble. It's, that is not a fumble. It's not a catch. <laughs> God. How can you sit at home and watch this in real time and understand shit? It's not a catch. And it doesn't matter anyway. Illegal hands to the face. <laughs> you seem really upset by that, bro. Yeah, that was one that got me a little bit, I guess, because, and I was right. It, it, it was not a catch. That was one where it was like a bang-bang play, I believe, and they were trying to act like it was a fumble, and they're like, it's not a catch, but it was illegal hands to the face. So, yeah. All right, there's two more cuts because, like I said, this one's pretty quick today, but this is a big first. I think this is the one where Zeke busted it up and got a big first down to keep that last drive going. Come on, Cooper. Come on, Cooper. Come on, Cooper. First down, nice. Right there. 
Fuck yeah. Give me that spoon. <laughs> what, what spoon, man? The what feed me spoon. Oh, okay. I was being uh, Zeke. Hey. Like, he was like, give me that spoon. Feed me. That was my right, reaction dude. on that. Yeah. All right. And then finally, the touchdown pass that would end up being the game winner. Here's my reaction as that happened. Score. Come on, guys. Score. There it is. There it is! Woo! <laughs> yeah! There you wow. go! Nice! Yes! Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Woo! God, you win this game. Six and one with Cooper Rush. Are you fucking kidding me? This team... I mean, this. Come on, how you? Not, this is Super Bowl favorites. <laughs> <laughs> My elated declaration: This is Super Bowl favorites. I like that, man. I might have had a couple of beers that night. I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> All good, brother. Yeah. So you know that that's just some a little highlights. Not as much. You know, normally I try to pull like ten or twelve clips out, but you got a little bit of it there for secret audio of a Cowboys homer. So I hope you were able to enjoy that, but. <laughs> That'll basically wrap this one up. And then our next podcast, man, it'll be time to check in with Ed Werder again, check in with Clarence Hill Jr. and be looking ahead. The Cowboys have the very odd scenario coming up the next couple of weeks. And I say that in a sense of game time. They are about to play back-to-back noon kicks. You don't see that much in the Cowboys schedule. No, but it's a beautiful thing. It is, man. I'm. We get that knocked <laughs> it's a out. Beautiful thing. Bro. Sunday night will free up for you. It'll be a yeah. noon kick on Sunday against Denver at home, and then a noon kick the next Sunday at oh against Atlanta God. at home. I just thought about something. Mm. I don't know if that's so good for me because I got to go to Jackson Saturday for, uh, for the Jackson State game. <laughs> there with a noon Ooh. kick, brother. It's a, I've, I've got to drive down in five and a half hours, but damn, that means an early wake up and, and, and go if I'm, if I'm headed that way. Yeah. I mean, that, that's waking up and, and hoping that you just make it home and you walk right into the door, sit down and watch the game. Bro. That is early. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, I mean, we're, we're about to get to that weird, you know, the, the double dip Thursday games where they play Thursday on Thanksgiving day and then they play the following Thursday night. Yeah. I, you know, coming up, I don't mind that at all. I, I don't mind the Monday-Thursday games because then I feel like I get a, a day off on to, to some degree Sunday. on Sunday. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather just work it all in one day in the week. No, I feel you on that, bro. Which no comes in play. I mean, that's, that's what's wild about football season, man. With college football especially and everything going on, I mean, it's by the time college football season ends, it's like, whoo, take a breather. <laughs> For sure. That's how it is, man, but For it's awesome. Sure. We appreciate your support, guys. And for those of you that listen all the way to the end, pat yourselves on the back because we broke our all-time one-day single downloads in a day record with the episode that dropped on Monday, November 1st. It was the most downloads that we've ever had in one day. And so that was badass, man. That's a testament to all you guys continuing to support us, continuing to listen and telling people about it and sharing it and retweeting the links and doing all that stuff. I mean, that's... You're all a part of that, and appreciate that very, very much. That was awesome. I mean, that was that yeah, was awesome. Fan. Matt showed me the number, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was that? cool. That was really, really cool, man. So thank you, guys. Fantastic. Appreciate it very much. 
Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.